Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Um, so most of you know me, but for those who don't, I, um, I entered into these doors about eight or nine years ago. Can you believe that? And like Pastor Ed said, I didn't come with a friend. I didn't come because I saw a Facebook ad or a, you know, Instagram recommendation, churches near you. I was actually walking by hungover from a party. So if that's how you got here this morning, absolutely no judgment from stage. You are welcome here. A short while after that, I stopped coming to church hungover. And about, I, I, did, I met my husband Cody here at an uh, Anzac camp. And about a year later, we got married on that same site. And it was just so amazing. Um, and then after that, we served on lots of several teams in the church. So it was just so wonderful to do that with your best friend. Um, and then a few years later, we were actually blessed with our first miracle baby, Henry J. I don't know if you saw him just waltz through the doors like he owned the place this morning. That is our Henry. Um, and then God just unlock, unlocked something so amazing um, once we had Henry. So shortly after, we had our baby girl, Heidi Lee. Um, and she, she's fiery. She's a bit shy this morning, but she'll warm up and you won't be able to get her off your leg. <laughs> um, and then in April last year, like Pastor Ed said, we did move. Um, we made the biggest move of our lives, and we moved from here to South Australia um, to a small country town called Ardrossan. Um, and there's just a little over a thousand people there. So there is no traffic lights. There are no roundabouts. There's lined parking. There's some lined parking, yeah, down the main street. We've got uh, one Chinese shop and one fish and chip shop, and nothing is open on Tuesdays. So you can imagine when we came here, and it's Tuesday, in two days we are getting Chinese, we are getting anything that's open. I am not cooking. Tuesday night. Excuse me. So in November, uh, last November, we actually had our first South Australian born into the family, little Josiah William. He is the mix of our two older kids, but with half the energy. Praise the Lord. The Lord looked upon our family that day and said, girl, I'm going to give you just, I'm going to make this one just a little bit easier. So thank you, Lord. He's almost six months old, and you'll find him just either being passed around or sitting in a pram. You're welcome to grab him. You're welcome to give him a cuddle. He'll love it. He loves people. So uh, here's a little update for you all. Um, Henry, our eldest, he is uh, almost four. Uh, Heidi, our middle fiery one, she is almost three. And Josiah, like I said, is almost six months. So the last time I spoke here, actually, I was only a few weeks into my new stay-at-home, a stay-at-home mum season. Uh, before that, I was actually a working mum full-time. I did the daycare run for my entire motherhood journey with a few months here and off for, um, for pregnancy stuff. Um, and so I had one day at home with them with two young kids, and it was Tuesdays. Oh, my gosh, that's why I don't like Tuesdays, because it felt like a Tuesday that literally went on forever. So if you're wondering, well, how have you been this last year, Michaela, being a stay-at-home mum? Well, glad you asked. Thank you. So by God and God alone, he completely transformed me from a mum that loved to work and earn 
income for her family to become a mum who works at home and works on her home as well. Um, before I continue, mums, if you fit into either one of those categories, I want you to know that you are superhuman. Just abs- no matter what your role is, you're amazing. And I want you to take some time, not just to celebrate the mums around you, but take this day to celebrate yourself, okay? Feels like sometimes we don't get the feeling that we're a mum, so I want you to try and pull out that feeling. You are a mum and you deserve to be celebrated today. So before having kids, I knew what my purpose was. It was pretty easy. It was to serve God faithfully and to smile at everyone. It was, I, I felt good knowing what my purpose was. Um, I felt stable and I felt directed and really grounded. Has anyone felt kind of that security, that stability before, knowing that you know what you're meant to be doing? And I feel like when you, when you know what you're doing, you talk differently, you walk differently, maybe you'll even act a bit differently because there's that confidence that you know exactly why you are doing what you're doing. And so the moment we had Henry, God just unlocked this entire new ministry, this role and this purpose, and it was parenthood. And so, excuse me again, humidity. Stepping away from the workplace and placing my full attention on my family at home was very new and pretty scary at some times, but every bone in my body was sure that I was doing exactly what I was meant to be doing. And when we enter a new season, whether it's positive thinking or maybe a little bit of ignorance, we just don't think, we don't imagine the moment when we face our first trial. We usually think, well, I certainly think, this time is different. I know, I'll be fine. I know this is where I need to be. God has got me here. I am fully equipped. I will be fine. Nothing is going to break me down. Well, (laughs) because of that, at the beginning, we are so sure that God has brought us out of the old and into the new. Because after all, we are carrying a new and powerful testimony when God has brought us into a new season. But when we come face to face with our first weighty trial, and I'm talking about faith testing trial, especially after a blessing, we can, our, our faith can be shaken and fear can, and doubt can be planted of whether or not we heard right. This could look like you being blessed with a new job and then coming up against hostile co-workers or maybe a really harsh boss. Maybe your new relationship with someone is, is flourishing but now you're facing family conflict and, and barriers that you weren't expecting. Maybe in your marriage, you've entered a new season of marriage plus kids or marriage minus kids after 30 years, and you are not quite sure how you're going to ma- navigate through this. Maybe in terms of children, it's a new season of babyhood or school drop-offs or teenagehood, and with that is coming new levels of exhaustion and, and limits pushed more than you could, you could have imagined. And in, in these seasons of pain, our faith can be shaken and we can be left a little confused. And especially in today's society, we like to minimise pain as much as possible in every aspect of life. 
So it is understandable how it only takes a hop, skip and a jump to be thinking, well, pain shouldn't be in my purpose. If this was my purpose, I should be healthy. If this was my purpose, our marriage should be better. If this was my purpose, I shouldn't be anxious. If this was my purpose, I shouldn't be thinking about my life before this. And uh, I'm just going to share a quote that I read from Pastor Craig Rochelle. He's an amazing preacher. It was just so fitting. Doubt is not the enemy of faith. Doubt is often an invitation to a deeper faith. And we can just replace that word with pain and we're there. So four weeks into our little family of five after Josiah was born, Cody had gone back to work um, and we had started to find like a little, a nice little routine at home. And life, it was good. I could have used a bit more sleep, but life was good. And I was confident that I was living out my purpose. But then practically overnight, I woke with the darkest thoughts about who I was and where I was meant to be. I, uh, I found myself genuinely <clears throat> doubting my contribution to my family, to my kids, my husband. Um, I, I honestly couldn't see a slither of value in my day, no matter how hard I tried to look for it. And I tried. I just couldn't see it. No matter how many activities I ran, how many playgrounds I went to, no matter what I did, I just, I had completely surrendered to those feelings And I started to believe that any person, any woman could come into my home and do a much better job with half the effort. I I remember looking at my little one-month-old baby thinking, you didn't deserve this. You deserve to be with someone better. And I had actually started to regret Josiah's birth, not because it was a hard life for me, but I just, I fully believed he was meant to be with another happier family. And I was at the start of the most painful mental season of my life. And now I might be talking to someone today that can relate. Maybe you're an exhausted mum questioning your purpose. Maybe you're a parent, (coughs) excuse me, doubting your ability to provide. Maybe you're a husband or a wife questioning how your marriage got to this point. Maybe you're, you're someone who's waiting in desperate, desperation for a part of your future to begin. So I really hope that today's message comes in the form of encouragement for you today. And my message is titled, Pain Does Not Reverse the Purpose. And I think we can all agree that on a good day, we know where our thoughts are coming from, right? We can follow the trail, follow the train of thoughts, we we see something and then we think of it, or, or we know the link between certain thoughts. But when we have, give us a few bad days in a row, and then our thoughts start to become muddled and piled up on top of each other, and it becomes very, very hard to follow the trail of, of these thoughts and where the, the original source had come from. And thoughts left unattended take a lot of undoing. Can we all relate to that? Yeah? And you'd be surprised with how just a tiny hiccup in your day can lead you to questioning your very existence. And see, I I felt like I couldn't combat my thinking because I was overstimulated 
with fear and doubt um, in, in my role as a mum and as a wife. So with some outside help, I was able to follow where all these thoughts had stemmed from and it had come from this one tiny seed. I think God got the wrong person. That tiny little thought was my undoing to everything of who I thought I was. Do you remember when I asked you just before, have you felt that security of knowing your purpose? Well, have you ever had that security ripped out from underneath you? Give a wave. Doesn't have to be today. I'm glad. I'm not alone. Very good. That the pain, and not only from, from the trial you're facing, but as well as the existential doubt of, did God get it wrong? That is a faith tester moment. Pain does not reverse the purpose. And I have good news because James, in, in the Bible, the author James references this, this very thing and encourages us, us on how to respond to these moments. Forgive me, I've just swiped it out of this. Hold on. Oh, no, there's Cody. We've already introduced Cody and the kids. Here we go. Very good. We're here. Sorry. <laughs> so chapter, uh, sorry, book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 uh, to 4. This is in the NLT. We'll read it together. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, or in other versions it says mature, and complete, needing nothing. There are a few things that really stand out to me in this passage, and we're going to find them. So the first is in verse 2. When blessings of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity. Hold on. Back it up. That read troubles of any kind. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I don't know about you, but when trouble comes my way, I think about a lot of things. Not usually do I think an opportunity for great joy. So it's saying, don't declare it as an attack from the enemy. Don't, don't assume you're in the wrong church or, or on the wrong path. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Because as usual, the Bible is flipping our natural instinct of how we think. And he's flipping it on our heads and we're about to find out why. In verse 3, For you know that when your faith is tested your endurance has a chance to grow. Have you ever had a trouble or a trial that has tested your faith? Now, I am not talking about Monday-itis. I'm not talking about a few tense moments between a couple of friends or bad luck with your car. I am talking about those moments that bring with it seeds of doubt, fear, and the overwhelming urge to give up. Maybe it's because you've come up against so many roadblocks on the journey that you were sure you were meant to be on. <clears throat> Maybe you've made a decision that seemed right at the time but has brought you stress and anxiety. <clears throat> Maybe it's because you're trying to change a part of yourself because you know what you're doing is wrong and you know you can be better, but it just feels like you just keep slipping. And in these moments, these painful moments, we have an opportunity 
no matter how painful and exhausting as they may be, that is exactly where our endurance grows. So this tells me that endurance doesn't develop on the high mountains. It develops in the low valleys. And if you're thinking like I was thinking, well, God, why endurance? Why do we need endurance? And then it came to me, I thought, well, I don't know about you, but I don't really want to have to sprint for the next 60 years that I have left on this earth. I want to take it nice and slow. I've got a story that hopefully puts it into picture. Last month, I had to drop my car off to the mechanic in town. And I thought it was a good opportunity to put on my joggers and move my body for the first, intentionally, instead of running after kids. I'm like, okay, if someone's got the kids, I'm going to drop the car off and I'm going to run. It's going to be good. I'm pretty fit. It'll be fine. So I dropped the car off, and there's one thing that you know, you need to know about my town, is that the side of town that we live on, um, it, you, you know, you can drive through the streets, it's pretty flat, but then you start to come down this like long, gentle decline, and then kind of up a pretty intense hill. So I'm jogging, like, this is easy, I'm smashing it. About 30 seconds in, I'm halfway there, this is great. And then I go, I'm like, okay, yeah, I see, I see the hill coming up, it's going to be fine, I'll just sprint it be great. So you can imagine, 15 meters in, I start sprinting it up the hill. Oh my gosh. I could hear how hard I was breathing through my headphones. I could, I instantly started sweating, which by the way, you don't sweat in South Australia. So forgive me if we hug and you're like, God, she's sweaty. I'm just, I am not used to it. We just don't sweat there. So I'm, I'm sweating and I'm thinking, these two streets to home could be 20. I'm exhausted. It's because I tried sprinting when I needed to endure. And if I've learned anything about being a mother, it's that you need endurance to get through the day. Mothers, can I get an amen? Otherwise, you just wiped out at breakfast time. So in verse 4, the next four little words offer such powerful encouragement. <clears throat> Verse 4, let it grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect or mature and complete, needing nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but some days I choose not to let my endurance grow. I know it's bad. <laughs> I know it's bad, but I just don't. It's in those moments I think that I would benefit more by holding on to my pain and my hurt and my exhaustion. <clears throat> this one time, we were heading to church down in South Australia, and it's about an hour away. And so, you know, the kids can't survive an hour in the car trip, so we have to pack them a whole meal. And this one time, we thought, okay, let's, um, let's shout them, let's get them some strawberry milk. They'll be fine, they'll love it. So I'm driving, we're trying to reach around the back, finding the strawberry milk. And we pull two empty bottles of what once was strawberry milk. All the mums right now are like, oh dear God. That's right, 500 mils of strawberry milk seeping into the car, into the carpet, and we still had an hour to drive. We still had a two-hour church service that it was just going to seep in and smell. And I think I'm trying to be like MacGyver, trying to think, what have I got in the car to clean it? And it was nothing we could do but drive, right? And so I'm driving, just freaking out. And Cody just shakes his head. 
shrugs his shoulders and just starts laughing. He's like, what can we do but laugh? And that would have been the perfect opportunity to grow. But I, th- I thought I was owed to keep my frustration. So, but I chose not to. I thought that it would be better if I held on to my anger and so everyone would know how, how inconvenient this was for me. That day, I chose not to let my endurance grow. And endurance is just the start of growth. And we're going to find out um, how, how it is at the start. So Romans chapter 5, verse 3 to 5, in the ESV version, it says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, if we read this backwards, and I like to do this sometimes, we, uh, so reading it backwards, we see all these blessings, just one after the other after the other. And it stems from our suffering and our pain. Now, I don't want you to go out and find pain. I don't want you to go out and refuse blessings. That's not what I'm speaking about this morning. Because we all know, as long as we're on earth, trouble is going to find us. It's just how it happens. God doesn't make it. It just happens. But life with God just gives us another way. It gives us a fruitful way. When we face these trials and these troubles, we can approach these moments and with growth that would have otherwise gone to waste. Because, and this is my second point, there is power in the pain. You know, I love asking the question, what are some moments in your life that defined you? You man, I have heard stories of financial decisions just that crippled families. I've heard marriage breakdowns, um, sudden deaths in the family, um, stories of manipulation and, and false claims. And it has, every time I ask the question, <clears throat> it has always been a reply based around a season of pain. <clears throat> so if we sat down across from each other and I asked you, what are the moments that define you? What would you say? Would you comb through your life and look for the really amazing times, the, the ultimate blessings, the, the fondest memories you have? Would that be what defines you? Would it be when you, you were um, blessed with getting an inheritance or that amazing holiday? Maybe the time that you got um, a pay rise and, and that bonus. Or maybe when you are finally recognized for all the things that you do. <clears throat> or maybe those kids finally got an A on that report card. Would that be what defines you? I'm sure right now as you sit here and I'm, I'm talking about those moments, your brain is, is racking through your life and actually finding those make or break moments for you. Your life's faith testers. I, I cannot imagine what you have gone through, but I am sure that what you have gone through has played a part in, in who you are today and being here today. <clears throat> and I might be as bold 
to say that our defining moments occur always after a season of pain. You might be sitting here remembering a time of suffering with joy, thinking, yeah, I got through that. Or you might be sitting here thinking, maybe still a bit achy from a not-so-long-ago trial. Or you might be in the middle of one right now. You feel nothing but hurt. For me, one of my most defining moments was Christmas Eve last year. And um, I, was, I was weeks into postnatal depression. And uh, the, the days were honestly just getting darker. And I had actually convinced myself that in, oh, I'd be over this. In a, one, two weeks tops, I'd be out of it. <clears throat> well, that two weeks came and that two weeks went. And I still couldn't shake the feeling that my entire family would benefit and not just survive without me, but would thrive without me. And it was late afternoon, and I was just getting Joe to bed, and I just sat on the bed. I was just weeping for what seemed like hours. I just couldn't stop crying. And I could hear my kids having fun doing a Christmas activity out in the kitchen. And they were, I think they were getting cookies ready for Santa or something. And they were asking questions, and they were laughing, and they were learning. <clears throat> and I felt this burning in my chest, this hatred, this this loathing for my suffering. And it, it was the reason I was missing out. It was the reason I was on this bed crying. It was the reason why I felt my, like my life was draining away. And I remember, I remember looking at my legs th- thinking, they are so heavy. <clears throat> I feel like I could, excuse me, I feel like I could sink into the bed. And I remember calling into the spirit and thinking, do you see, look, look at my legs. I was so angry. Look at what this is doing to me. I am hating this. And the spirit replied so gently, then get up. I thought, I can't, haven't you been listening? Look at, I, I am so heavy, I can't move. This is, this is killing me. This is weighing on me so much. And what he said next changed everything. He said, well, if you don't get up now, Michaela, you won't get up again. Now, I don't know if he meant that literally or mentally, but it was enough to get me to try. And man, did I feel heavy before. As soon as I started moving my legs, it was like I had 200 kilograms of weights just pinning me down. It was like my muscles grew mouths and they were just screaming, no, no. We're not moving. And in that moment, I needed endurance. So I dragged him off the bed, sat there for a bit. I cried, stood up, cried, picked up my baby, cried. I walked to the door, put my hand on the doorknob, shaking. I'm going to collapse at any moment. But I didn't. I took one deep breath and I walked out at snail's pace. And I joined my family who was watching the the Christmas carols on the couch. And Cody turned to me after a while and said, are you okay? I said, no, but I will be. There is power in the pain. I've come to learn that the phrase God is good sounds very different depending on the season you're in. Whispering the words, 
God, it's still good, affects my entire being a lot more in a season of pain instead when I'm in a season of peace. When you are at your peak and blessings are coming at you, God is good comes really easily, right? When you're struggling to see the end of a day or how long this situ- or how this situation is going to resolve itself, those words, God is still good, feels like poison. Am I the only one? It just, it hurts to say, but there is power. Have you ever met someone who is in the middle of their trial, in the middle of absolute heartbreak. They have no idea why this is happening. They have no idea when this is going to end. But they still speak the words, God is still good. It's so powerful that it affects your faith. There is power in the pain. And I love the author David in the Psalms because he, he never held back on how rough life was for him. But almost always he signs off with the praises of God. Actually, in most of the Psalms, they start off, they begin in prayer, but they end in trust. So in Psalm 62, I'm just going to read a little bit of it. And um, if I could get the band to come up, that'd be fantastic. David, in Psalm 62, he's unsure who to trust. You know, he's got people coming to him, loving him to his face, compliments, loving it, but then cursing him behind his back. They're trying to plot his death Um, He's just in such a whirlwind of emotion. But he explains what he's going to do in this season of suffering. And in Psalm 62, verse 5 to 8 says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. I encourage you, wherever you are today, whatever season you're in, Let all that you are, your mind, your eyes, your mouth, your hands and feet, let all that you are, wait quietly before God. There is a reason why God is known as our refuge. There is a reason why it's said a lot of times in the Bible. Because life, it has its troubles and they come hard and they bring pain. But with God, it can be more than a meaningless season. It can be more than that breaking moment. We can grow. We can see power in the pain and know that even when we are facing trials, we can still be fulfilling our purpose. I don't know where you are today on this very special day. You may have just summoned up enough energy to walk through the doors. A life with God doesn't promise a life without troubles. It just happens. But I would love 
to pray over you today and encourage you not to let those moments go to waste, but to see them form and to see them grow and to see them create and, and blossom into something so powerful that when I ask you, what is the moment that defined you? What makes you you? That will be one of them. It didn't break you, it made you. So if I could have um, all eyes closed, I'd love to pray for you. Dear Lord, our refuge, our rock, you know exactly what every single person today is facing. You know their impossible mountain that they have no idea how to get through. Lord, you promise that you never leave us and you make sure that we don't suffer in vain. You turn it into good, something that would have already happened anyway. We get to have you. We get to grow with you. And Lord, if there are people here this morning that don't know you, I just pray, Lord, that they would have an opportunity later to meet with you for the first time, to take that next step into this season of theirs with you, knowing it has not gone to waste. They will refuse to let it go to waste. They will endure this and they will see the blessing on the other side. I pray for a growth of endurance over this entire church. I pray over our pastors, Ed and Gail, of a spirit of endurance, Lord. No matter what they face, let them keep getting up. No matter how hard they are being dragged down, <clears throat> no matter the weight that they may feel, Lord, keep them going. Keep them enduring, Lord. Let us walk into today. Let us walk into the rest of today with a gratefulness, with a power, knowing that you don't let a single moment go to waste. Anything we put in your hands, Lord, grows into something beautiful. Let us have many stories to tell of the times that you brought us through, Lord, and you helped us grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.